Welcome to the Worship Central Podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. I'm Herbs, and I'm joined in the room today by Nick Drake, Tim Hughes, Luke and Anna Hillebrand, and we've got some hot topics for you, songwriting, set list and band dynamics. It's going to be awesome. So the first hot topic we've got is a great question from Malachi. It's all around songwriting. It says, where do you start when writing a song? Lyrics, melody. Why don't we go straight to Tim Hughes? Oh, well, this is a question I get asked all the time. And um, actually, I think there's no set way. I mean, I meet people who write differently. Some will write words and lyrics. And I've had that where you get a theme or an idea first. For example, worked on a song with a few people called This Is Jesus after a sermon series we'd done at church. And so that theme wanted to write around that. So kind of lyrics came a bit first and then melody. Other times it's been a melody that's stuck in my head. And you then sort of find lyrics that fit the feel of it. Um... I, it's interesting. I, I get asked this question, you know, over all the years of doing this, probably the most. And I think it's, um, I'm interested as to why people ask it. Um, because actually inspiration comes in different ways all yeah. the time. And I think if you're trying to figure out what do I need to start with first, it's the wrong question. And so I guess maybe a good question to ask, if I throw it out to everyone is, how do you keep inspired musically, lyrically, just as a human being so that ideas are going to spark? How, how do you guys keep the songwriting juices flowing? That'd be more what I'd want to know. What do you guys think? Right now for me, the thing I'm loving doing is, um, and it's actually, I was really inspired by um, Brian Johnson on Instagram. He, he posted these... Um, videos about songwriting where he was just really digging into the psalms and literally underlining so many of the psalms and just the way they were speaking to him that has actually hugely inspired me in this first part of the year so far I've just been looking at the passion translation and every day just taking a psalm and just spending time in it and digging mm. in and seeing where words are just coming alive again could be song titles and trying to sing stuff out every day trying to write a song every day which isn't something I feel ashamed to say I've been writing songs for so long and I've not worked that way around but I'm really really enjoying it bringing it so great. you literally a full complete song every day um I won't write a full song every day, but I'll try and do some writing every single Great. day. And 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 like you say, it's a mixture, isn't it, of that. Some Sometimes a word just inspires a melody. Sometimes a melody inspires a word, but uh, there are no rules to this stuff. And practically, how long would you spend? Is it different every day? Or? I would spend... As as the song, you get to a yeah. point where it feels like I've exhausted it. I can't go any further with this right now. Sometimes that could be an hour you've dug in, you're suddenly on the train, you're going there, and it's like, this is amazing, I'm feeling something incredible. Um, and other times it's like, that was five minutes, I dug in, it felt strong, it's something, who knows yeah. when that's going to land, where that could end up. Um, but I would really encourage that as well every day. Like trying to do something just keeps you going. Yeah. What about yeah. others? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it's just we often talk about having your an, your, your sorry, sorry your songwriting antennae up all the time, and just um, you know, different books that I'd read, or again, 
uh, Bible, just passages or phrases that jump out or something that someone says that kind of triggers a further thought or a deeper idea. And usually for me, it's just something that sort of hits my hits my heart, you know, like, oh, that there's, there's something there to unpack. Um, and that's the beauty of the iPhone now as well. You can just record ideas. I've got loads of random ideas on my phone. I get a lot of melody ideas in... Um, in worship times usually when i'm actually not leading um and if there's a bit of space or whatever so again just pulling out your iphone and getting that down because you do forget that's the thing i find like i always think oh i'll remember it later but i don't so Mm. just making sure you record those things down um yeah to to unpack at another time i feel i've had a bit of a change or a shift of mentality in in my writing recently which is that um, I, we've been doing this um, prayer course, the 24-7 prayer course as a church at the moment. And, you know, it's really um, some great, it's very uh, uh, simple and applicable to, you know, everyday life. But even as a songwriter and worship leader, it's got me thinking, you know, um, uh, week two, they talk about, you know, we go through the Lord's Prayer and week two is around um, adoration. And um, Pete said this little phrase, Pete Gregg, you know, who hosts it and uh, great content, um, the adoration aspect is, um, you know, about us ministering to the heart of God and and being rather than doing. And I love the thought of songwriters that actually our songs, we, we could just, I guess, go from the angle of like, I just want to minister to the heart of God before trying to finish a song or be, before trying to write around a particular theme or whatever it might be. And um, he said this phrase, you know, it's, it's like unnecessary act of affection. Um, and I love that as, as songwriters, if we can just, just treat it as like a almost unnecessary act, like God doesn't really need our songs, but he loves to hear them and they're, they're acts of affection. I love this, Mm. um, uh, uh, statement from the book of common prayer. Adoration is the lifting up of heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Mm. And for me at the moment, I find a lot of my songs are coming out of just times of worship where I'm just enjoying his presence and there's like a flow, there's a current that you get into. So I don't know, like with that question, it's like what comes first? Well, actually, why don't you just try and enjoy God's presence and and see what comes out of that flow and that current, that river, um, rather than treating it like an exercise. Like it's good to do that, but, but try and get yourself in that current as well. I think it's good to keep mixing it up isn't yeah. it it's so easy in creativity to get stuck in ruts and uh, we, we had a, a church songwriting retreat a while ago and Nick Drake came in and uh, you did a little talk around you know the, I guess it's the supremacy of Christ wasn't it the Colossians 1 was that yeah. right and uh, so and then you know great little thought and then we all split into three or four groups and really everyone wrote a song around yeah. that theme and some of those scriptures and yes. it's great just seeing different songs come out of that and again mm. sometimes I think it's great to I remember working with different people who would bring much more kind of tracks and loops and and then you just you got some inspiration to start singing mm. words over I'd be interested Nick you're just in the middle with your good wife Becky um some worship for everyone albums and recordings and you've been writing that's it I guess it's again a slightly different thing of trying to write thinking of particularly children but adults as well bringing the family together 
what have you been learning writing a bunch of songs? Oh, well, thank you, Tim. A little plug as well, <laughs> coming <you>. soon. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been writing uh, for a new project. And I think one of the things that was key for us was, was the co-writing thing, was, was figuring out how to make that work really well. And, and we're just really lucky that that works as a husband and wife team. But obviously, it can work with anyone. Because I think it, it, one of us will get the inspiration. Usually, Becky will be a theme say City on a Hill, the theme for her came from that scripture and she came with the core of that song. Uh, whereas for me, it'd be more melody. Um, like there's this song we wrote, Hear the Bells, which is like a Christmas song. And I just came up with this riff on the piano, which then inspired the theme off the... Because sometimes a, a musical motif can make you feel some words, can't it? It can mm. make yeah. you pursue something in scripture or yeah. try and find something. So... Yeah. Uh, we're just really lucky, I think, that we both of us come at songs in a different way and that that works really well together. How, how do you, particularly maybe in a marriage couple, maybe Luke and Annie can speak into this, but when you're working very close to someone, you're good friends with them, mm. you know them, but you, you're really disagreeing <laughs> on a direction. Mm, how, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I actually think there's a, there's a beauty to be had in that process. Sorry, that sounds kind of flowery language, but like there's something about having it out and like really trying to drill down um, as to what you're debating about or what you're arguing mm. about to really, you know, nail, okay, this is, this is what we won't let go of. And this is what, you know, we're willing to compromise on or, or, or trying to find. And maybe that it is that there's actually a new thought there that's not been found by either of you. So I, I think mm. when that's happened with us, we've just had to really stick at it and try and, um, try and yeah, drill down to what we're really thinking. Mm. Yeah, it's a, for me, it's a classic iron sharpens iron proverb. You know that actually collaboration. Um, who, who said someone said isolation is the enemy of creativity, and you know it's that um, that spot w that you get to when you're writing a song where you're like, ah, I just feel stuck like this phrase or whatever, and someone comes in and goes, or have you thought about this? Or mm. you know, so you're getting to this destination together. Um, sometimes feels more difficult, but I've often found it at least brings um, some fresh life and, and um, breath into the song. Just one last thing I was going to say on this question is I, I've found over the years as well, I love working with them um, when it comes to co-writing. I love working with specialists. When you meet someone who's a lyricist, who is unbelievable and you just you see something in that gift that just draws that out or someone who just does a top line melody and I think it's okay to not have the whole yeah. deal mm. and that's what makes co-writing so great is that you can go into a room right with other people who maybe bring something that you don't necessarily have on that particular day and they see something and inspire you so I definitely encourage that mm. uh, moving on we've got another great question uh, from Fiona how do you know that you're called to songwrite and get it out there? I, I, I think we need to talk about calling. I always think about these three things. You've got to have, firstly have a passion and a vision for something. But then uh, it has to be something that is recognised by other people. So I've got a passion and a vision to play football for Everton Football Club. But no one around me recognises mm. that gift or call. <laughs> you know, yes. it, it's not yeah. being encouraged by anyone else. So oh, I might be thinking I've got this thing but others aren't identifying with that and then the third thing is opportunity you know Everton Football Club are not giving me an opportunity to play for them so I've got that wrong so I, I mean it, it's maybe a bit too simplistic but I think sometimes if you've got a vision to write songs record music then you throw your best at that 
but ask yourself are the people around you saying oh I love that song you know you've got a real gift here and not just your mum or you know or your, or, you know, your, your spouse or whatever but a, a number of people really recognising that gift and is there opportunity when you when you use one of your songs in church are people asking you for the music are the band like oh, we love this and is it something that's being encouraged because it's difficult when we project <laughs> on everyone you know this is my gift my call um and maybe we've missed it and here's the thing i i think a truly great song does something like yeah. it, it it actually does something beyond just being a, a musical piece like yeah. And again, going theological here, like we talk about the sacraments and how bread and wine like does something. There's a bit of a mystery. It does something. It opens up the reality of Jesus. And I think in terms of church worship songs, like there's a difference between like being able to just write something musically and then write something that opens up reality like for other people to enter in. Mm. And so it's like when you play a song you've written, does it do that for people? Okay, but what's the... Um, and this is kind of for you, you guys, Tim, Nick, who sort of lead you know, pastorally in the church as well. What about, because um, obviously if you're trying out, um, if you're a worship pastor at church and you're trying out a song and you might be new at that, um, compared to some of the songs that are that we would sing, it might yeah. not be as good, right? So how do you encourage songwriting and people growing in their gifting uh, off the back of what you've just said, you know, if if it if it's not opening up something in the room, if it's not doing that, if it, you know, it might not be doing that yet. But how do you either encourage or discourage? But I guess that's where you've got to have a gut feel that there's there's something here, there's potential. So I think about my songwriting journey. I started to write songs, and I knew Mike Pilavachi, Soul Survivor, and he said, "Let me hear one of your songs." And I played him a song and it wasn't great. It's never been recorded. It's never seen the light of day. But he obviously could see, actually, there's potentially something here. Mm. And so he, he connected me with Matt Redmond and tried to encourage me in, um, in writing. And then I had a song, which again, wasn't the greatest song in the world, but is probably good enough to use. And Mike would be right, you're going to use that song. And he kept encouraging that gift, created space for it. When I lose my nerve, you know, and mm. I'd use everyone else's songs and not mine, he'd tell me off and you have to use your song. But mm. I guess he saw potential yeah. and could yeah. see that there's something that could grow. Um, and that's really hard because um, we all would love pastors who would have that gift to spot the potential. Mm. And wh where is it where actually your gift of writing is bit more for yourself mm. or you know because I actually think songwriting um a friend of mine Ken Costa has this theory that every worship leader should write songs and if you if you don't write songs then how can you really be a worship leader someone who uses music to express a connection and the heart of God mm. and but it might be that your songs aren't going to be sung in churches all over the mm. world but yeah. actually if, if you're not finding new ways to sing out something of who God is, mm -hmm. then that seems weird for you to be a worship leader in music. Yeah. And I think there's something in that. So it's, it's more what do we do with the songs, which is, I think, the thing we sure. need to understand. Yeah. I mean, I think the, that idea of calling and sort of coming back into that for a second, it's, it's, I think sometimes you get a very strong sense, either externally it might be, um, you know, a word that's given to you through prayer, that's a sense of you are meant to do this and then you've got to apply yourself. But I think a lot of the time um, it is about putting the hours in and giving something a real go. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
probably most songwriters, and I think even um, it's a well-known example, like Ed Sheeran talks about this, this idea of when you start songwriting, it's like going to an old house and you've got this tap that you turn on mm. and initially all this dirty water comes out and then the clean water comes out. And I think mm. it's a bit like that. Even when you haven't been songwriting for a while, you then get back into it and you realise, actually, there's just a lot of stuff I've just got to get out of the system that might not be very good. And, it, and I discover, you know, over time by doing this a lot, that actually and being given the opportunity and, and things like that to work out, is this a calling? And, and at what point you write maybe a profound song that affects a lot of people and opens up the room and does all of those kind of things could happen quite early on in that journey. It could happen quite late on in that journey. I think then given the fact we're looking at maybe a long time of discovering what the calling is, I would then say what I've seen over the years is that everyone needs a win at some point. To put it like that is if you're going on that journey, you're thinking, am I called to do this? I think there are points when you think, oh, that was a win. You know, that like you just given that example, Tim, you know, wrote this song. It was kind of okay, but Mike said, you know, you can do this. Let's play this one. Let's do this. That's a win. Was it everything? No, but it just got me going, gave me a bit more confidence for the next step. So I'd really encourage that. Don't give up where you are, but at a certain point, there probably has to come a moment when you go, it's That's not good. quite right. Oh, guys, this is so good. I think we should spend more time um, on songwriting at another another episode. We'll get some interviews. Uh, we'll get stuck in even more uh, to songwriting, but we should probably move on to the next hot topic. So setless, um, mm. why don't you tell us, Luke and Anna, uh, how does a gas street setlist work? What's mm. the timings? How do you plan it? Just really briefly go. Okay, so, I mean, you know, this is a massive topic, but there are a few non-negotiables, as we as we would say, gastric. Um, our sets are usually sort of 25, 30 minutes. So that is usually roughly four, five-ish sort of songs, okay? As a basic, that can be less, sometimes more, usually less. Um, so uh, we want to make sure that, it, that every set... Uh, explicitly talks about the gospel and this is uh something tim brought in a while ago actually which is i think is really great like if our sets aren't talking about who jesus is um then we you know that's just really key um so that's one thing uh we want to have dynamics in the set i.e not like loads of slow songs um dynamics and the change of pace help with engagement but also with um, just expressing ourselves to God. You know, there, there's so many things that we we should be expressing to God in our worship sets, like joy and celebration. And sometimes as the church, um, we we forget that. Like we've got a lot to be thankful for and a lot to celebrate. So um, yeah, um, and often that can lend itself more to up-tempo songs, not necessarily a rule, but often that can happen. Um, we want to be talking about all the facets of God. So not, I think there's a temptation sometimes in sets to do like songs all about the Holy Spirit or all about Jesus, but actually God is much bigger than that. So we want to be holding the Trinity in our minds as we're, as we're planning set lists. Um, trying to think what else we have a bit of a, a rule that we're, and this is more just for our context that we're, um, we've got a lot of songwriters who are writing songs and we want to make sure that we are, tr- um, singing those songs um you know because if we're not singing them who else is going to sing them so we actually have 50 50 um that we have to 50 percent of our sets have to be homegrown songs so um 
that's fun uh, and mm. really challenges us to to be thinking like um okay how what of our songs say the same theme or how can this work together can, um, can i just say that because I, yeah. I think that's um really important i talked to lots of different churches about this um i, I remember hearing brian houston at hillsong pretty quickly in their journey was like we're gonna sing the songs from our church there's a sound of our church in worship we want to release. And so he fairly quickly, I think, made it 100% pretty much. You know, actually, it's not often Hillsong will do, but they do do other songs, but basically put in a, a guideline. And I know Vineyard, um, that movement, again, do, I think, 50-50, maybe even more, because actually it forces you to unearth your own songs. Also, it brings a... If you're frustrated that there's not enough up songs or, you know, you need a more song appropriate for communion whatever it forces you to keep yeah. writing and if you just pull in everyone else's songs you can get lazy in that so yeah. it can sound a bit like oh are you building an empire egotistical actually i think it's really important to put these things in place to unearth and mm. to release and to keep the songwriting yeah. sharp yeah. in finding new songs yeah. and, and there's that thought you know that every move of god is accompanied by a soundtrack and i think this yes. it's kind of links back to it um songwriting topic um that we just touched on but you know that actually there'll be something unique that you as songwriters as part of your church that god is saying to you and so to express that through song um you know like this series that we've been doing this is jesus you guys wrote a song like it if it feels so like oh yeah this is yeah. this is us this is our church this is what we want to be saying this is how we want to be worshiping at the moment um and so i i yeah i'd really encourage that um, I guess what that means is that we're throwing in quite a lot of new songs to set lists. And so just being mindful of that, we talk about having building blocks where, um, and you know, the analogy of being on the runway in the plane, you want to take off really well. Like what things are we, are we doing on the runway? Um, so making sure there's enough content, making sure there's enough uh, songs that kind of people know that feel like they can really engage with before you hit something new. Um, uh, so just a lot of it is is about balance and dynamic, you know, trying to make sure you, you see the light and the shade in the set, um, that, that you're mixing it up, that you're keeping it engaging in different ways. Um, so good to be thinking through those things. And one of the questions that we got in was, um, how do you balance songs that are appropriate for guests on a Sunday as mm. well? Like, how, yeah. how do you take into account the newcomer? Yeah. In how you plan the set. Well, I think that's more of an overall question for the whole service. Um, you know, that's something we we bear in mind as a as a whole team. Like we want to be explaining everything that we're doing. We don't want to get too intense. We, you know, sermons have got a time limit as well, because that we want to be um appropriate for guests. Um so I think with with worship stuff, again, the point that Luke made, Matt ha- Matt Redman has a really good phrase, response and um sorry, revelation and response, you know, so that we're actually talking about Jesus and and God and and who he is and how great he is and the things that he's done and then also using um response moments that where you you know you don't have to think about it so much you're just allowing your heart to respond to what you've just been singing about before um so again and then dynamics you know that that just helps with engagement so if someone's got no framework for what it is that you're doing keeping it interesting is really practical point on that as well and again just not going on and on and on just Mm. bearing in mind but if but although i'd say obviously if the spirit is moving amazing like we have to go with that and and that's what we say with this stuff set lists are a framework but if the lord is doing something we we can ditch it and that's absolutely Mm. fine but that's where you got to explain what's going on so just off the back of that uh, another question we had relatedly was like some worship leaders have like loads of extra songs at the end of their 
their list, you know, that okay. they've got on stage in case yeah. the spirit moves or whatever, <laughs> you know, or in case the senior pastors do an upbeat song. Yes. Uh, is that something you guys do regularly? How, how do you, you know, do you add a load of extra songs in, but then that freaks out the band? You know, how, how do you have things up your sleeve, mm. basically? And to we, what extent is that planned? Yeah, um, we um, try and encourage the team to um, really have like a whole repertoire of songs like ready to go um, off the cuff. Like we, we don't use music here. Um, that's been something that we've just tried to install as a as a value because we feel like we want to be spontaneous, like we want to go wherever we feel so, led. So, so every band member should know all the chords to the song and the arrangement. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and how I, many songs would that be? Because it's not like a, a thousand songs. They need to. Well, <laughs> songs of Fellowship you? Volumes One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're focusing on the, the mid eighties <laughs> for the next month. Well, we've so probably got. Ready. We've probably got. Um, I'd say maybe sixty songs on. We use Planning Center. We've probably got about sixty songs on the. Um, on the uh, database and um, yeah okay we're not expecting everyone to absolutely nail like 60 on a Sunday do you know what I mean um, but I think there's also okay what's the spirit doing right now so there'll be seasons where it's like oh we're using this song quite a lot and and that's where you just want to be able to like just flow into it launch into it off the back um, of, of another song without sort of checking that everyone knows a song mm. uh, and that's where our team are amazing they come prepared they're on it and that's where musicians um growing and being able to be spontaneous and yes. you know actually most of these songs they're, they're fairly set kind of chord f- sequences and, and that's why again we'd have a musical director yeah. mic'd up so, so people in their in ears if they don't know the song someone could be shouting e a B yeah. C sharp yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, from the congregation or the number system, which which again gives you a bit more spontaneity. Yeah. Um, and the, and the truth is, we've got to bear in mind um, many churches. You know, I was just leading. We planted this church in the Netherlands. I was there leading the, um, a couple of days back, and it's it's so basic. There's no in ears. It's kind of if, if the microphone works, it's a great great day. Um, and so you've got to be realistic about where your church team sure. is. Yes. So you know, don't suddenly say to you know, you know Brian from Norfolk. Um, you know, here's and Brian, if you're listening, hope you're well. Um, <laughs> Brian's my father-in-law, actually. <laughs> here's sixty songs you've got to learn off by heart, yeah. and he's yeah. still Absolutely. like, oh my. Well, yeah, we're we're, so, we're five years in, so we we've taken yeah. a while to get to this yeah. place, and we, but we've only got there by having a value system, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where it's but important. But like practically we have to bear in mind who we're on with in the band. So if you've got a new keys player Mm. and a new drummer and you're really feeling like this brand new song that you wrote last week, like maybe that's not the best time to do it. That's not going to serve the church well in that moment. Or be prepared to lead it by yourself. Or be prepared. And and there there are Hmm. rare moments where that's right, but I'd say they are rare. Like what you want to be thinking is what is going to serve the congregation in this moment that I know we as a team can lead really well together. Mm. And sometimes that might involve compromise for you on what you really want to do. But again, we're trying to serve the church and do it as a team. Can, can I say, because again, I know most churches uh, or a lot of churches, you probably wouldn't necessarily have drums and tracks and it's yeah. more acoustic. And yeah. one of the things I observe uh, is a lot of mid-tempo, slower songs sung really slowly. Because yeah. when you don't have timekeeping, it can tend to drag. Mm-hmm. And that is a killer for a congregation. I remember someone des- describing it as, 
death by intimacy. <laughs> I don't quite know what they're imagining, <laughs> but um, but this idea, you know, some if it drags, it's yes. it's really hard. So just be mindful if you're leaning on an acoustic, even just practice playing along to the song on a CD or something. Mm. So you you just keep the energy. And and again, if it is acoustic, you can still do some of the more up tempo songs. Mm. It doesn't Absolutely. all have to be mid. Two, just really quickly, two um, quick tips on that. Um, one is if you're playing with a percussion player, if you've got cajon or whatever it is, get them to get a little metronome mm. that they can see um, like the light flashing. It doesn't even need to be an audible thing. But um, and then they, you know, click you in or, or tap the con in, you know. Um, so at least you set the tone, uh, set the tempo like, you know, initially. Right. And then I would also say if you're leading by yourself on acoustic guitar, um, err on the side of pushing the tempo rather than like relaxed because I would say again I've observed you know whether it's our interns or whatever um you basically you just drag and drag and drag and drag by yourself um and, and like you say probably 90% of churches in the UK you know you, you're in that place of leading by yourself or on the side of pace rather yeah. than uh slow okay let's wrap this up really good discussion uh, we've got one more question how do you uh, tie in set list planning with sermon theme and what the preacher might be bringing on a Sunday? Mm. Well, I, I know, you know, talking to worship leaders, some worship leaders, their senior pastor will pretty much pick the set list based around the the theme of their talk. And it's like, here you go, here's your four songs all around penal substitution, go. And uh, I personally, oh, um, I think our worship is so much more than singing the theme of our talk because I think this how yeah. do we view worship if worship is singing theology which there's a place for that you know reminding ourselves of the story we're in but we believe worship is this spirit encounter and actually it's an opportunity for us to come and bring where we are at before God and for him to meet with us so it's this two-way connection um so I think we want to we we'd massively just focus on our worship being some of these dynamics you were talking about with song choice but actually it's an opportunity for us just to come before God draw near to the Lord as he would, and he'll draw near to you this kind of idea of engagement in worship where I think we do very much think about uh, set lists and themes of talks is in response because I think when you've heard a talk 25 minutes like on Sunday on Exodus and parting the Red Sea I think Herbs was leading you know it'd be weird to then go into a song a lament or you know, something about, you know, yeah. you, you, you went into no longer slaves or something that fits in. So you're, yeah. you've, your mind and heart have been filled with mm. this great, hopefully, uh, theology and a talk and then an opportunity to respond in worship. That's when I think it's really, really powerful. And that's where I think yeah. the connection between a preacher and a worship leader is really important. And just um, my little building on top of that, I've always felt that in any gathering, the Spirit of God could be doing one thing in the worship something different in the word mm. and then something different in ministry. Yeah, and I think sometimes they all align yeah. and it's mm. a very, very special Sunday and it feels like, oh my gosh, it's undeniable. God is healing people today. That's the clear message. But I, I think we should be open to the fact that different things yeah. can be happening throughout the gathering. Mm. And um, it's great when that happens because, mm. you know, spirit's moving. Mm. I think what's interesting, just listening to you both there, would you say that the way we construct therefore worship sets is more about expression rather than description. It's more about facilitating and releasing our expression to God rather than describing... I would say it's 50-50. Okay. 
Yeah, I think it's really, you know, Revan talks about revelation response. However you put it, I think, um, and Tim mentioned, you know, there's such an importance of, of filling our minds with who God is and the, the narrative yeah. that we're in. But I think if you're leaving no room for people to bring their song, mm. um, then then it feels uh, like we're, we're missing uh, like the corporate activity that we're in. Otherwise, just stay at home. And this is, you know, do online church at home. Like we're missing the point of getting getting together to express something before God together. And there's such power in that. Like we see things happen in that. Um, so, you know, the vertical horizontal thing, um, we don't want to just say to God, oh, this is who you are. This is, it's not like he needs reminding of who he is. We often need reminding, but we also want to come and, and just express our thanks, our, our praise, our love for him. Again, coming back to the adoration thing. I think, you know, the, the Anglican liturgy talks about, oh Lord, open our lips and our mouth to declare your praise. So it's the sense of the spirit opening our yeah, lips so it is, a, it is a, a spiritual mm. thing which is why we need to be uh again our songs need to remind us of who jesus is to, but but also i think it's we have a choice <clears throat> and again that's why a lot of the psalms are you know it's king david speaking to himself awake my soul to sing bless the lord oh my soul he's almost commanding himself mm. and i think so in our worship it is often what are we willing to bring? How are we going to, despite and within everything going on in our lives, choose to enter in? So I, th- I think it always has to be mm. um, that, yeah, revelation and response, but we have that choice. Mm. Final hot topic. We're going to look at band dynamics. And f- my first question is just to dig in. What do we mean by band dynamics? I, I sometimes hear people say in church, it was too loud, you know, it was overwhelming. And I don't necessarily think it's always the volume that's too loud. I think sometimes we do the band dynamics badly. So there's no light and shade. But well, who's going to kick off? Just mm. to talk about what, what do we mean by band dynamics? How do we bring variety and interest yeah. in our music? Yeah, for me, it's got nothing to do with volume. Band dynamics is how does the band work together to achieve what we want to do. So it's um, it can involve musical volume dynamic, as in you know how we're playing loud together, soft, all the you know crescendos, decrescendos, all that stuff. That's one element of it. It's um, how we working together from an instrumentation point of view. Who's carrying what uh, part? Who's carrying what spectrum of the? Um, of the like the sound frequencies so you know things like um oh everything's feeling really muddy okay that's because i'm seeing that the keys player uh their left hand is very low on the keyboard hasn't been washed <laughs> hand is in mud <laughs> it's literally dripping <laughs> pretty pretty much pretty much basically the keyboard player is playing in the range of the bass player yeah. right and that's such a simple thing but actually i think a lot of teams w- w- might not even um see that they'd miss that but so if they didn't have a bass player they would be good they were playing yes right absolutely Ooh. so it's, it's actually trying to talk through and think through how are we working together as a team as a band um uh, likewise you know there there can be moments where an electric guitarist um they're playing in a range for so long that they're competing with say um a crash cymbal if, if that's being like trashed on every beat you know there can be moments where and this is where then you get into whole things around like um if you're using in-ear mixes you know people say oh i can't hear uh, I can't hear the the guitar or I can't hear this or that. 
And then you go and look at their mix and you realize that their cymbals are, or the overheads are so loud in their mix that they're never going to hear the electric guitar because that's just competing from a sound mm. frequency level. So I think there's basic things. And obviously this is quite specialist. Like this is probably beyond worship team 101. Okay, can I ask, um, because a lot of, I guess many wouldn't be using in-ears um, and a lot would have perhaps a bit unlike us sort of um, instruments like the flute, the oboe. The yeah. clarinet even. Yeah. Um, talk about how, how um, because a lot of, fl- say, flautists, they practice on their own, yeah. but then suddenly they're thrown into a band. Yeah. How, what, what, what should they be thinking? So, I mean, things around melodic instruments, I think for me often where things can sometimes feel a little tired or um, sometimes people, you know, you hear, um, oh, it's just feeling really like cheesy, like it just doesn't feel very current. I think often um, melodic instruments, we get caught in a trap where um, they end up always playing the melody mm. of the song, you know. So then you've got a lead vocal or with a keyboard or a guitar or whatever, and you've got an oboe or a flute or a saxophone literally playing the melody of the song. And that's where you can feel like, oh, it doesn't actually... Uh, musically it's not sounding as rich as it could and so we we would talk to our melodic instruments here uh, classically um uh cellist um that's the first example that comes to my head um you know we were playing at kingdom come and i was talking to her about staying out of the range of the bass guitar uh not playing the melody and she began to play like in the mid range and just like counter melody lines and filling the space and it was suddenly it's like oh that's that's gorgeous like it suddenly fills a gap that that was missing so i think it's trying to zoom out and go what where are the where are the spaces on our music um where some of these instruments can can really shine and uh i've seen you guys sometimes talk to guitarists about working on their tone mm. in terms of what that the sound they bring and amps and um how, what would you advise for, for an electric guitarist that you, you're maybe talking to about tone who isn't necessarily like an incredible guitarist and wouldn't necessarily know exactly yeah. how to work on that? What are some simple things that they can do to develop yeah. the sound? Tone is king. Like if you don't have good Jesus tone... was king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Jesus is king. Second... Uh, tone uh, is king, yeah. Yes. Um because before you play anything, the, the sound that is going to come out carries what you're going to play. So um, I think what we would often observe with guitarists, and this be the same you know, vocally or, or drums, whatever, tone carries the expression. And I think um, there's things like, well, um, basic things, before you even talk about amps, is like your guitar and how you touch the guitar, how you actually how, how your, your, your fingers, how your hands, how your body interacts with the instrument. And again, this is probably straying into like music lesson world. Um, but I think there's something, and it's so important that we get lessons as musicians. Mm. Um, but there's something uh, about the way that we interact. There's, there's things like, you know, make sure that you, you have like good strings on your guitar, like fresh strings that they're not dead. I mean, the, in the amount of times that you see a guitar, it's like, you know, it's like, sweat dripping off it and black marks all over it like hey take care of your instrument we care about the praises of god um and then um uh like how you actually hit the string you know there's a huge difference between sort of just thrashing an instrument and actually like thinking about how you 
project a sound from an instrument um and then like once you've like thought through that stuff then you can actually okay how does this work with an amplifier you know is the tone too shrill that will often be something that we observe with guitarists like um does it have enough um presence so is it fit if you're playing a one note line and this would be the same with an oboe or a saxophone whatever uh, what's the resonance that's coming from your instrument so then guitarists start thinking about reverbs and delays and all of that stuff but i would say tone uh, amplification is only going to amplify what you begin with and um and so tone is so good to think about does it carry enough weight is it round enough um Gosh, you yeah, could I, go I know you say tone is king, and 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 I, I completely know what you mean. But for for some worship teams, actually, this, I would say this aren't the two other things before that, like pitch, and <laughs> no, like seriously, yeah, yeah, pitch yeah. and rhythm, right? Because if if someone isn't playing the right note at the right time, so actually, tone is tone can be like a luxury third, right? Yeah, I guess for I'm assuming t- that you yeah. could play in time and yes, but and in tune. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, I know, absolutely right. And I think that's where, you know, maybe some of it goes back to even gifting. And this is a hard thing to talk about, right? But because some worship teams would be like, well, we just need anyone. Mm. And uh, that's really hard to press into, isn't it? Because like, yeah, okay, we do want to, we want to enable people. But also I think um, music's something so, so specialist. Mm. And and if we really, ca- you know, David talks about playing skillfully, and you know, it's quoted over and over, Psalm 33.3, we care about the praises of God. Like it's got to carry something of of heaven, which mm. is beauty. And, 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 you know, and, and I think if you're um, playing in a worship team at church and you're not working on your musicality, investing in your gear, mm. I mean, I'd go as far as say you, you, you're really not serving well. Mm. There's a sense of dishonouring, you know. There's this whole thing around excellence, but excellence is bringing the best that you can bring. Yeah. And if the only time you play your guitar is on a Sunday, then yeah, that's you, you're just not going to grow. Yeah. And it's, you're not serving the church the best you can. Yeah. So I'd encourage people to really invest in the gift. Yeah. I think right. there's a temptation as well for, and I've heard worship leaders say this, you know, well, oh, I'm not that musical, so I just lead the congregation and I leave the rest to the band. And actually, like, and you know, you might be listening to Luke thinking, oh my gosh, a lot of this is just way beyond me or beyond our team. I would encourage you to dig into this stuff. Like you can learn it. Mm. And that's speaking from someone who didn't have any of this knowledge. Like I worked really hard mm. at trying to learn like how to communicate with a drummer, for example. I mean, I don't know all the technical language, but even listening through to songs, listening to recordings, and then I would, you know... <laughs> I would do my own beatboxing to, you know, communicate to the drummer. Um, Or again, like listening to tone, like spending time with your guitarist, spending time with your cellist. Like it is really vital actually. And I think there's this myth that actually it's all about what you sing and, and the worship leader and the words and the prophetic songs that you have. But what music carries um in the spirit is so profound Mm. and as a worship leader slash worship pastor it is your responsibility really to be the gatekeeper to open that up to give permission for that to stretch people to push people and again it it is something you can learn and something that we should be spending a lot of time engaging with yeah so with our interns for example we would we would coach them on okay so you talk about band dynamics again coming back to that you know this is how you communicate 
in the dynamic of a band. So we talk through signals and Nashville numbering system, um, you know, as a way of basic communication. So rather than G, C, D, E minor, one, four, five, six. So the whole band can can like understand that. Even if you're a, you're a worship leader not playing an instrument, you should have a basic understanding so that you're able to communicate with the team. Otherwise, I think sometimes the syndrome is kind of like, um, oh, well, you know, it's like this frontline backline divide and actually what we want to create is cohesion musically that we're all going after the same thing we all know what we're trying to do as a unit um and i think that's where often um the band can feel a bit like oh well it's all on the worship leader they're they're like the focus they're the actually no like if we work together on all this stuff we can create something much better together than separate one of the things i often say to the band um it's not very technical uh, but it's like what I love in terms of worship leading is a hundred or zero. I love just all in, just that feeling of if we're going to sing a song that is, de- you know, a declaration or a dance thing, we're going to go all in or it's just really stripped back and we're just trying to enter into that intimate moment. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I love trying to see that in a band as well. Mm. Um, anyway, what a great chat. There's so much more to chat about. And now we've got something special to tell you about. Yeah, we're really excited. We've got the week coming up Woo! in June in Birmingham. Yeah. It's the 21st to the 25th of June. And honestly, it's one of the very best things I think we do. Uh, I, I've led worship for 20 plus years on staff for many years. And if I was to look back, one of the things I wish I'd done more of was to carve out time in my year to invest in the call, in my gift, in what I was doing, to be around like-minded people, to have time to be challenged, to pray, to think. I think sometimes we're caught up so much in activity and relentless getting things done that we're really poor at just making time for God to speak to us and to really think about what we're doing. And the week will give you time to do that. Mm. We limit it to 150 people. It's worship leaders from all over the world. So you're going to be around amazing people who are wrestling and struggling with the same things. You can learn from one another. We're also bringing in amazing contributors. We've got Jonathan Helser, you know, Mm. writer of No Longer Slaves. He runs this amazing school of worship in America and just phenomenal around the gift of worship, leading the heart of worship. It's going to be like so profound to spend time with him and you get to hang out with him as well. Uh, We've got Jake Isaac, who's phenomenal worship leader all of our team are going to be there we've got troy miller coming up troy is a producer songwriter he wrote the song i am giant Woo! with rag and bone Sorry, uh, but there's a few other people uh, we're just waiting to confirm. Anyway, get there, do what you can, sell a kidney, uh, get, <laughs> make it your birthday, Christmas present. Get your pastor and your church to pay for you to come. Even better. If you're talking about investment, do it. It's all on the website, worshipcentral.org, the week in June in Birmingham. Be there. We're really excited this month. We've got Michael Shannon and he's got the song of the month, a fantastic song called Crown Him. Sacrifice. 
So the writer of Crown Him is Michael Shannon. He's moved over from Ireland to be with us at Gas Street. He's um, one of the worship leaders here, helps oversee the creative team. He's the editor behind all of um, this podcast, and we are so thrilled he's with us. But Michael, tell us a little about Crown Him. It's such a great song. Like, how did it come about? Did you start with a melody, a lyric? What happened? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, this song is pretty special to me because it was the first song I actually finished. A couple of years old now, and I was just beginning to explore songwriting, get my teeth into it, and I had a bunch of ideas sitting about, but this was the first one to actually get over the line. And it started on a songwriting retreat. Uh, we were working on a different song at the time, and this bridge uh, came super quick, uh, pretty much lyrics and melody. Uh, there and then and the rest of the song took an absolute age um, and I remember spending nights going back and forth on different options um, and trying to get the song finished and it was only when we began to narrow the focus and imagine you know what would it be like to stand there in front of Jesus all those emotions and thoughts and really journey the cross uh, did the song then take shape and I know there's a bunch of songs like this out there but I really don't think we can get enough of those which speak of the cross and the resurrection. And then, you know, bringing this one to church around Easter time, the perfect time to throw it in. Surprisingly, the church actually caught it pretty quickly. So you remember the first time you stood there on a Sunday and played this song? Yeah, it was great. Um, very surreal, rewarding to see something you've worked on, you know, for, for so long, be used and people engage with it. Uh, was very special and gives you the confidence um, to keep going, to keep writing. Awesome. Well, mate, we love it. We're so glad that you've written this song and there's plenty more to come. We know that. Hey, well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Do subscribe, give us a rating. If you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at worshipcentral.org. But have a great month and we'll see you soon.